We are in week two of our Advent series, how uh, we get to uh, take time to think on this one singular question, good news of great joy. So we get to hold up and hold out to one another, and as we continue along this morning, I want to continue where Michelle had left off in Luke chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there to Luke chapter 1. We're going to continue with the next little paragraph, verses 39. Well, a little further down than where she left off. Well, why don't we just pick up where she left off? Let's just back up to verse 34. Luke chapter 1, verse 34. Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold... When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. God, as we come to your word, we pray that you be with us this morning. Again, press into our hearts and all the hard places, the dark ones and the ones that are filled with hurt or longing. And apply your truth, your life to us. God, we need it. So be with us in the preaching of your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Have you ever felt insignificant, unknown, easily forgotten? Do you feel like life is a monotonous assembly line of the mundane? Does the boredom or the burden of your life cause you to be cynical? If you answered yes to any of those questions, or all of them, then you're human. And guess what? I have good news for you this morning. No one is too insignificant, too unknown, too forgotten for the grace of God. For the purposes of God. For the plan of God. For the nearness of God. Good news of great joy is the question we're wrestling with. And as we sang and and as we heard read from the word, we find that God is in the business of doing the most remarkable things. In fact, God goes about doing what seems like the impossible. And in so doing, the impossible... We, unknown, insignificant, 
easily forgotten people get to experience a very great joy. Because God does the impossible, you and I can experience great joy in our lives right now. And maybe we need to hear that because maybe some of us in here are feeling very much insignificant, unknown, and easily forgotten. God of the cosmos, the one who holds all things that we can't even see in place, in order, forever, has the same sort of affection and care for you that we see here played out in the pages of Scripture. This is remarkable. You're not too insignificant, too unknown, too forgotten. And because of what God does, this joy that we get is great. So I want us to think through why the joy we experience is great. There are three things. Why this joy we experience is great. It's great because God does the impossible. The joy you and I, unknown people, experience is great because God does the impossible. It's great because God, the Spirit, fills us with it. Secondly, it's great because it is given to us by the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, it's great because the Son is the object of it. Our joy that we get to experience because of what God has done in the advent of his son, Jesus Christ, here on earth is great because he does the impossible. The spirit fills us with it and the son is the ultimate object of it. You don't have to be significant to get in on this. This is for the nobodies, the anybodies, the somebodies and all the bodies in between all of that. That's how remarkable this, this thing that God has done truly is. So let's consider this great joy that we get to experience, even if our lives are hard or harsh or bored or burdened, whatever they might be. Let's consider this great joy because God does the impossible. First, God does the impossible. There is a plan to save. In communicating with Mary, the angel Gabriel said, you're going to give birth to a son. He will be great. His name will be Jesus. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of your father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. Kind of a big deal, right? Like we're, we're not talking about like, hey, he's going to be really gifted. You know, he's, he's going to really have, you know, you know a, a pretty well-known name. No, he's going to reign forever. You're Mary, you're a nobody, you're just sort of going along in life and you get word that your son that you don't know that you have or will have is going to be the king forever. And it is this advent of good news. And advent is a word that just simply means the arrival. The arrival. It is the arrival of a forever king with a forever kingdom because God is in the business of doing the impossible and the impossible is that he has a plant that he is going to save sinners and he's going to fulfill that plan. 
And the announcement Gabriel gives to Mary is that the baby she will deliver will deliver her and you and me. This baby that's coming is the baby of David, the lineage of David. The promise given to David was reaching its fulfillment here in these moments that we find in Luke chapter 1 and 2 and so forth. In 2 Samuel 7, we see God speaking to David and says, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. Later, he says, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. God is in the business of doing the remarkable. He is sending the Son to save, to deliver, and to establish a forever kingdom. This is good news. And the joy we get to experience is great because what God is doing is great. What God does in our salvation is great. Therefore, the joy we experience as a result of salvation is great. But there's another aspect of this that is truly remarkable, truly incredible, that, that, that leads us to see that what God does as he's doing what seems like impossible, he like doubles down on the impossibility for us to know that like God's really doing it. And that is this, the significance found in the insignificant in Luke chapter 1. As best as you can, put yourselves in Mary's shoes. Mary is a nobody. You realize that? Mary is a nobody getting news of the greatest somebody ever. She lives in a nowhere town. A town that has a running reputation of, can anything good come of Nazareth? She is a young woman in a male-dominated culture. She will peak out in notoriety during her wedding week. After which she will be married to a no-name carpenter in a no-name place, set to live a quiet life raising a bunch of no-name kids. She's ordinary, run-of-the-mill, Mary, just like in all the other towns. Nothing about her is significant. She's ordinary, easily forgotten. And then this Mary receives incredible news via an incredible messenger. Again, as we said last week, when angels show up in the Bible, they usually produce one of two actions, either fear or worship, or a little bit of both. Because you don't know what you're like dealing with here. It's this crazy, out-of-this-world being, and maybe it's the Lord, so I'm just going to cover all my bases, right? And so here is Mary receiving incredible news from an incredible messenger that through her will come the promised forever king who will save his people. After 400 years of silence, after constant, growing Roman intrusion, and now we have a ridiculously amazing message from a ridiculously amazing messenger about a ridiculously amazing Savior coming to this ordinary young woman in a nowhere town, in a nowhere part of the world. And then 
Mary receives news that will stay with her the rest of her life. Naturally, she asks, well, how is this going to happen? And the answer must have stunned her. A supernatural work of God bringing life to her womb. There's an incredible mystery around the incarnation of Christ and his birth. As we see there at the, in chapter 1, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Incredible mystery around what that means. This young woman was getting a whole lot of theology thrown at her in this announcement. What is God doing here? Well, we do know that as the Greek translators of the Old Testament understood the beginning of the Old Testament Bible, Genesis, we see that they saw the same sort of phraseology in Genesis chapter 1 as they then used to describe here in Luke's account of Luke chapter 1. Meaning this, the Holy Spirit coming upon Mary is very similar to the Holy Spirit hovering in Genesis Chapter 1 at creation. And what this does is it connects our heads, our thoughts, to knowing that what God is about to do is only reserved for God. This is extraordinary work. This is an extraordinary creational power at work, bringing about something that seems impossible. But as the angel says, nothing will be impossible with God. I've said before, first five words of the Bible are the most controversial. God in the, be- in, the very, in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. And out of nothing, God made everything. He wasn't reliant on anything other than just simply saying it into existence. Here we have the Holy Spirit bringing this miraculous life into existence. The God who bursts into your life, opens up your heart to understand him, to know him through faith. The God who brought into existence creation. The God who brought in this miraculous birth. That God is at work in you. That God is at work in your life right now. And guess what? Your life, no matter its situation, its circumstances, aren't overwhelming for God. He made moons and stars. He made microscopic like elements just by speaking it. There was nothing. He said, let there be light, and there was light. There was this young woman, and the Spirit powerfully worked in her, and there was life. Nothing. And your life is too difficult for God. Nothing is too overwhelming. This is an anything that seems impossible kind of power on display. And an insignificant, otherwise easily forgotten person. Now, more about Mary. 
and she gets this news that changes her life is that she was betrothed, which is just a fancy word to say she was engaged, but like engaged with a little more like meat to the bone. Like we can get out of engagements by simply just like getting out of engagements if we wanted to, right? You just say, ah, I'm not, I'm not going to marry you. And then you just go about your life, I guess. I don't know. But back then that was total, like not really all that possible. Major commitments were already being done among the parents, among the fathers. It, It is a serious, harder to back out kind of engagement. And so what would happen is that her pregnancy would have caused a major, major situation for Joseph, who we know from the biblical account in Matthew, also had an angel messenger to kind of ease his heart into this. And her pregnancy would have caused a major scandal in her little town that she was from. Her pregnancy would have risked her very life. I mean, Joseph could have bailed, leaving her destitute the rest of her life, a stigma not easily removed because who would marry her? Unsettling news. Confusing news. Overwhelming news. And yet Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. When the angel first interacted with Mary, he said something incredible. He said, Mary, in all of this, is a favored one. Or another way to say it, a graced one. One. She is a recipient of grace. Her no-name life in a no-name place isn't too insignificant for God's significant grace. Now, we may feel like we are not worthy of any sort of significant attention from God. And maybe if you're honest with yourself, you've thought deep down, Why would God ever bother with somebody like me? Maybe deep down you've thought that his grace is for really far more important and influential people. I'm just a nobody. Well, I would just simply say to that bah humbug. Grace runs through all the alleyways. All the small towns, all the nowhere villages to save a whole bunch of nameless people. And if you were to think with me about the throne room in heaven, it will be filled with the sound of ordinary people singing praises to an extraordinary king. That there is no circumstance or no level of significance that would then prevent no names like me like us, from having the favor and grace of God. He doesn't operate according to the world's standards. I heard it once said, God loves you because he loves you. He he needs no reason other than he is God. And whether we have a name that is ever so fleeting or not, Whether we live in obscurity and mundane the rest of our lives, it matters not. When you are one who has the favor of God, a recipient of his grace, that is when you realize the the greatness of the joy we have to know the favor of God on our lives. Because God is in the business of doing the impossible 
He worked through an old woman who was barren. He worked through a young woman who was a virgin and not yet married. God does the impossible. And because he does the impossible, the joy we experience because of his grace will be great. But it won't only just be great. It will be supernatural. Why the joy we experience is great is because the Spirit fills us with it. And what the Spirit fills us with is a supernatural joy. It is not a joy natural to us. It is a joy outside of us, brought to us, given to us, fostered in us. It is a supernatural joy. There's the scene there where Mary hastily runs off to the hill country to be with her cousin. And when she arrives, Elizabeth, hearing the greeting of Mary, the baby leaps in her womb, and, the, and Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit and filled with joy. The baby is leaping. Elizabeth is exclaiming loudly. There is this overwhelming joy. And Elizabeth doesn't conjure up this joy. It's overflowing because the Spirit has worked mightily in her heart so that she believes. There's an aspect of this that we cannot fake this sort of joy. The joy that we see here in the Bible, the joy that is brought by God to ordinary, nowhere people, you can't fake that joy. I have some bad news for some of us in here. This will be very unsettling for some of you. But the Hallmark movies that you've been watching for the last month or so, they're fake. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to speak the truth to you in love. Those Hallmark movies are fake. And I can tell you they're fake because on a very warm, sunny Southern California day, walking through the Universal Studios, going after big giant studio, like big giant, like building after big giant building, and on the outside of them are the posters of the very Hallmark movies that they're making. There's no sun. It's, I mean, there's no snow. It's only sun. It's fake. It's a fraud. Don't buy into it. They are contrived. They're chasing after a feeling. But I want you to think about that. The joy brought by the Holy Spirit is the real stuff. You can't manufacture it. You can't fabricate your life or filter it. To look like it's joyful. The kind of joy that is great. Is great because it is brought to us by the Holy Spirit. And you know it's real. Because it's not bound to circumstances in life improving. It's bound to something else. Something greater. It's bound to a God who does the impossible. Mary is hiding out with her cousin Because to the perception of others, her life is a scandal. She's going to her cousin who was once known as barren. She was a reproach. A blame and shame was heaped on her. These are not easy situations in life. And yet, here they are experiencing great joy because God has given it to them. 
not because they've manufactured or manipulated their lives in such a way so as to have this fabricated joy. It's real joy in the hard and harsh of life because it's not something from life. It's from the author of life given to them by the power of the author of life, the Holy Spirit. You know it's real because it's rooted on who God is and what God is doing. And you know it's real because it's gospel drenched. It is good news. Gospel. It is good news of great joy. And then you know it's real because this is the best part. Ordinary people get it. Ordinary Everyday, routine, monotonous people. Me. I'm boring. My kids are not allowed to say amen. I'm just the guy. I'm just the guy. Ordinary Sean. Ordinary people get in on this. Don't overlook this scene of Elizabeth proclaiming loudly with great joy and wonder and a baby leaping in her womb. Elizabeth is the first to call Jesus Lord. In the biblical account, it's this old woman pregnant. She says, this is my Lord in your womb. Peter sure is given credit, you know, some 30 plus years later, but it's Elizabeth who says it first. And note their circumstances, old, barren woman, now pregnant, young, unknown virgin, now pregnant. These ladies are not Instagram influencers, they're just no ones. And they get in on this incredible joy. Because that's what God is doing, He's, he's doing the impossible. And He's, by His Spirit, bringing that impossible into ordinary lives. You don't have to be somebody to get in on this, you can just be you. And you don't have to sink under the weight of the perception of other people. You get to have the affection of God, the creator of everything, over all the cosmos, has his affection set on you. And he pours out his joy on you. And that's why the joy you experience is great. The good news of great joy is also good news of supernatural joy for ordinary people. As we'll see later in Luke 2, what did those angels say? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. I didn't go back far enough. I bring you good news of great joy that will be what? For all the people. All the people. Guess what? We're a part of the all the people. No names, easily forgotten, in nowhere places, living out very ordinary lives, get in on this supernatural joy. You may look around your life and think or perceive everyone is in on something that you weren't invited to. And you may have a very low or poor view of yourself. Or you may actually exhaust yourself trying to be accepted in what you would perceive to be the in crowd. You don't have to do that. You don't have to live under that. There is good news of great joy. And this good news of great joy is for all the people. This good news is for you to hear, to receive, to believe. 
This good news is that you are not too insignificant, not too easily overlooked, not too forgotten. God, by the power of His Spirit, bursts into our lives. As low and ordinary and nowhere they may be, and brings a supernatural joy. This is remarkable. We get in on this supernatural joy, this powerful joy, this great joy, because God does the impossible, because the Holy Spirit is full and brings it to us, and because the Son is the object of it. This joy is great because God does the impossible. The spirit brings it to us. And because the son is the object of it, it is a joy that is full of faith. A supernatural joy is a joy full of faith. You see, Elizabeth believes that baby in Mary's womb is her savior. And you see, Mary believes the words of the angel. This kind of joy we are considering and hopefully experiencing is full of faith that Jesus is indeed the Savior, that He is indeed Christ the Lord. So this kind of joy that is great, this good news of great joy, will be a joy forever linked with faith. So much so, I can with great confidence and boldness say that without faith in Christ there will be no great joy. Without faith in Christ, there will be no great joy. Or I could say it this way. Without faith in Christ, there will only be fleeting joys. Fleeting. Tied to circumstance or situation in life. And as soon as that goes or changes, so goes the joy. But when our joy is tied to the object of our faith, Jesus... He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's nothing fleeting with Jesus. He doesn't diminish. He doesn't weaken. And he doesn't change his mind. So joy anchored to Christ is great. Our joy is great because our Savior is great. And our salvation is is great. And our new status as belonging to Christ is great. Without Christ, there is just restlessness and angst. Consider the following. Think back to the time in your life when your heart came alive to the gospel. When it became to you good news of great joy. Think back to that moment, that season of your life, if you can. What was that like? What sort of joy did you have in that season of life? How did it impact your love for the word? Your love for worship? Your love for witnessing or making known who God is? What about now? What does all that look like now for you? Is your joy drowned under chaos? Have you forgotten about that joy through boredom? Has it been eclipsed by sorrow? I suspect for some of us, yeah, some of those things are true. 
So I just want to say to you, as I would say to my own heart, has anything of the good news changed? No. Not one thing of what makes the news we have here in the gospel good, not one thing of that has changed. A sovereign God graciously rescues sinners through the sacrifice of his son who lived a life that we could not live and died a death that we deserved and overcame the enemies of our soul, sin, death, and Satan so that we could be adopted into the family of God to no longer be considered orphans, but now to be treasured sons and precious daughters. And that all who hear that, receive that, believe that, turn their thoughts, their affections, their way of life away from their sin and onto their Savior, Jesus Christ, will be saved. Has any of that changed? No. Most gloriously, no. Not one dot has changed. Joy that is full of faith is just as available to you today as it was on the first day you believed. Because Jesus is still that amazing. Or maybe for those of us in here, you've been playing church but have hearts that are far from God. And you're sitting there thinking honestly to yourself, I've never tasted that joy. So I would say to you now that this news that is announced in Luke chapter 1 and 2 is good news of great joy about a Savior. And that as I've just said, all who look to Him through faith will be saved. I, I implore you, this is the good news for you this day, and it will be the good news for you tomorrow morning when you wake up. It will be the only good news that you will have for the rest of your life. Or for those of you who are here and you know that you are wrestling with this gospel. Or maybe you're wrestling with just the, the wreckage of your life. Or maybe you're wrestling with hearts that have been wounded and hurting. And maybe you're wrestling with the thoughts that you are too insignificant for God to do a supernatural grace in your heart. I would just implore you, you're not too insignificant. Your wounds aren't too deep. Your hurts aren't too harsh. The hardness of your life is not too hard for the God who brings life where there is death. This joy is great because it is full of faith. And at the center of the faith is the person and work of Jesus Christ. And this faith is full of hope. For Elizabeth, she was looking forward to what the baby will accomplish. She knew someday that that baby would accomplish what God set out to accomplish. She believed before Jesus took his first step, his first word, made his first friend. Her faith was full of hope in what was to come. Our faith is also full of hope. Not in what was to come, but in what was accomplished. Both Elizabeth and our day are looking in the same place with hope in the person and work of Jesus Christ. A lot about life that you and I experience is hard and harsh. And lots about our lives seem 
non or unimportant or insignificant. And you might sit there and say, hope seems like fool's gold, just like with joy. It can seem like others have it. This is absolutely crucial. All of our joy, all of our faith, all of our hope must have Christ as the object or they will evaporate under the heat of this life. And yes, I can say those words, joy and faith and hope, can seem like generic terms because we see them on ornaments, on coffee cups, on Christmas cards, on decor. But when Christ is the object, those generic terms, joy, faith and hope, will have infinite and eternal value and joy for ordinary nowhere people like us. So, say to you and implore all of us in here to know that the joy we can experience is great because God does the impossible, because the Holy Spirit fills us with it, and because Christ is the object of it. Two women, one old one and barren, the other young and a virgin, easily overlooked and forgotten, were the first to grasp the magnitude of what God was doing in the world through the sending of the Son. They experienced a great joy because of a great Savior. And this good news of great joy can be experienced by you too. So I pray that all of us would feel who feel like we are unknown, overlooked, easily forgotten, come to know the good news of great joy for us in Jesus Christ, God with us, who takes away our sin. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that as we wrestle through it and think upon it, as we see the context of real people living out real lives, um, experiencing a real great joy, that that too would come into our lives. So help us to see through faith the center, the object of our joy, Jesus Christ. Uh, May we see in his arrival our king come to rescue us from our sin. And may we have hearts filled with great joy as a result. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.